We'll be reading from Psalm 84, verses 1 to 12 from NIV. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar, O Lord God Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Selah. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Today we're going to be going through Psalm 84. It is, you know, a very uh, overly familiar at times passage. But my prayer is that God would give us fresh revelation of what it means to love the dwelling place of the Lord. You know, I said that it is officially the last Sunday of 2021. Uh, Most of us are kind of excited to be done with 2021. Um, Yes, and I'm hoping that in the next week, all of us get a chance to actually reflect back on the year. You know, to kind of look back and take inventory of the year. What were some of the highlights? What were some of the challenges? What were some of the surprises? What were some of the unexpected blessings that God brought our way? It would be such a shame to just, you know, like, all right, bye 2021. Let's get into 2022 without actually taking inventory of what God has done. Because this time of the year is perfect to do that. To actually meditate and reflect on the year as we look back, but then also pray into the new year as we look forward. Because maybe you feel like the year 2021 was an improvement over the year 2020. Do you guys remember what 2020 was like? feels like ages ago, right? 2020, yes. Maybe 2021 feels like an improvement. Maybe this time last year you were really struggling. Maybe this time last year, you had certain prayer topics that you were clinging on to, and you were, man, God better show up in this. Man, God has to bring breakthrough. Man, God has to intervene in this personal crisis, or God has to resolve this inner turmoil. Maybe you find yourself in a much more stable place today. Maybe you find yourself in a much more secure place this time of year. But maybe you also feel like 2021 was... A disaster. <laughs> Maybe it was like a, yeah, I see some nods here. Okay. Maybe you look like a dumpster fire. Like, what is going on this year? Maybe it was an unending barrage of challenges and curveballs, and you feel like you've been run over a truck. You know, like, like today you feel like I barely made it out of this year. Maybe you faced very unexpected difficulties this year. 
Maybe you had interpersonal conflict with people you love very much. Maybe there were health issues, and maybe there were different challenges that you just did not foresee this year. But whether this was a good year for you, or whether this was a disaster year for you, one thing that we can all agree on is that a lot has changed in one year. God has done a lot of things. Even as a church, this time last year, first of all, we weren't meeting in person. You know, we weren't even meeting at limited capacity. We were meeting in person. And when we did meet in person, we were at a different location altogether. You know, this time last year, maybe you weren't plugged into church community. Maybe this time last year, uh, some of you who are newer to our community, maybe you weren't even in Korea. Maybe you weren't even in this continent this time last year. And so as you recap this past year, here's my encouragement to you. Especially if this was a hard year for you, don't wholesale slap the label of bad on it. Because hard does not mean bad. Hard means challenging. Hard means growth. Hard means a really stretching year, but it doesn't necessarily mean bad. So don't so quickly slap that label of bad. Hard can be good. It, it doesn't necessarily bring, dre- bring detriment into your life. My hope is that you find yourself right now, so December 26, 2021, you find yourself right now to be stronger than you did this time last year. That you've maybe worked on some spiritual muscles this past year. Maybe that you've fought battles this year that would have leveled you last year. Maybe you have faced some fears this year that would have traumatized you last year. Maybe you've gone through some changes this year that would have completely overwhelmed you last year. I'm hoping that you find some courage and some encouragement that has carried you through the year 2021. So today's message from Psalm 84 is titled, From Strength to Strength. From Strength to Strength. Now, Psalm 84 is such an encouraging passage of Scripture, not just because it's a love song towards God, but because it doesn't paint life in a rosy way. You know, sometimes like there are those Christians who are like, life is amazing. You know, like my life was a disaster and then I met God and then everything has been so easy. You know, all my prayers are being answered. Life is just smooth sailing from here on out. The Christian life doesn't always work that way. I wish it would, but it doesn't. And I love that Psalm 84 doesn't paint everything in a rosy way, but it actually acknowledges in in very much detail. It acknowledges the difficulty and the complexity of life. It doesn't dismiss injustice. It doesn't paint over danger and turmoil, but it fully acknowledges it and it directs your gaze to a hope that goes beyond those changing circumstances. Now, let me give you an analogy. Did you guys grow up like uh, going on road trips as a kid, right? I feel like this is one of those things that this current generation won't really know as well. 
Because like when I was growing up and, you know, we grew up kind of modestly, we'd pile, I have two brothers and so all five of us would pile into a car and we'd all be squished together for as long as that trip took. So it was, if it was a four hour drive, you were stuck with one another for four, none of this like personal, you know, tablet or phone, like you listened to the same songs, you played the same games, you all partook in one conversation and that was part of the deal. You know, and so growing up, we had this thing where like all of us would learn certain songs and we like, we would know by heart certain tapes. Do you remember cassette tape, man? Cassette tapes? Yeah. And then when you're done with one side, you flip it over to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. So that was part of what it was like growing up and taking all these road trips. And, you know, it could feel like eternity or it could feel like it, it was just a breeze depending on three different things. Number one, was the place you're going worth the travel? Like, man, if you're going to Disneyland, it's like, yeah, like, doesn't matter how long it'll take us, it's totally worth it, you know? And if you like where you're going, uh, you know, it's definitely going to change your experience of the travel time. That's number one. Number two was, was the reason you're going there, was it worth it? If it was to something that you were dreading to do, not just a place, but why you were going there. If it was something that you were dreading, it would make that experience even more painful because it's not like you're just suffering for like four hours stuck in a car with somebody. But it's like after four hours suffering, there's more suffering to come. And so it kind of like made the whole you know, experience even more painful. And number three, you know, could you have fun together on the way? on the journey could you actually enjoy one another's company that's one of the things that i honestly really appreciate about the way that uh, my parents decided to raise us is like me and my brothers we are pretty close in age we're all two years apart and that's close enough where you can have a ton of fun together but also where you fight every day like there's not a day that goes by where you don't fight and this was just the way that we were raised did anybody play like punch buggy no backs yes thank you Punch baggy, buggy, no backs. Oh, that's a hard thing to say. No punch backs, right? So like when you're driving and you see, uh, what do you call it? Yes, a beetle car. Like that gave you license to punch somebody. And the first person, this sounds very violent. Huh? <laughs> I'm saying it. Some people are looking at me like, you just punched each other? Yeah, back then it was fine. <laughs> you know? So the first person to see the, 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 the beetle car, right? You get to punch the other one. So we play games like that. Or like, you know, we make up songs. And this was, you know, something that would change that experience of the journey. Sometimes we have good snacks. Or sometimes we get to have, you know, uh, uh, we get to stop somewhere and have some fun and then get back into the car. And so, you know, it changed completely the experience of that journey. It could be short, it could be long, but it also could be difficult, but still, you know, enjoyable. Or it could be like, like, like painful, like you never want to get into that car ever again. This was our experience for all, uh, for many of us growing up. But I feel like this is such a great analogy for life as well because life sometimes can feel really painful but if where you're headed is worth it and the reason why you're headed there if that's worth it or if you have what it takes to sustain and actually have fun on the journey this makes all the difference how we experience life these are big life questions and just like a long car ride the journey of life this process and this journey of walking with the lord can be energizing or it can be depleting depending on these questions 
And so the question that I have for us today is how do we as believers go from strength to strength? Because something very interesting about Psalm 84 is that unlike most journeys, the longer you journey somewhere, the more tired you're supposed to get along the way, right? You start out really strong. Usually you're like, okay, I am so ready to go. It's going to be so fun. And along hour three, you're like, why did I why did I do this? Oh man, this is more painful than I thought. And so in normal life or in normal journeys, you feel more depleted the longer you go. But something that Psalm 84 is pointing us to is our journey as believers. You're actually supposed to go not from strength to less strength. You're supposed to go from strength to more strength. You're supposed to go from glory to more glory. It's a very different kind of journey that Psalm 84 paints for us. And so my question for us is how do we as believers go from strength to strength? If you feel strong in 2021, how do you feel stronger in 2022? And then even more 2023. There's three different things that I want to point out from this passage. The first is that we need and we have a clear destination and that is the house of god a clear destination in life and that is the house of god for people who were actually penning this psalm did you know that this is for the longest time i thought that this was a psalm of of david it's actually a psalm of the sons of korah korah i'm trying to accentuate it right okay the sons of Korah. What's interesting about these people, I know that you guys, that means like nothing to you. The sons of Korah were people that were set apart to actually tend to the temple. But one thing that I didn't know was that actually their father, Korah, he led a rebellion of 250 people against Moses when they were in the wilderness, and God struck him down, and those 250 people, but he spared these sons. And God set these sons apart to actually tend to the most sacred, the most holy of all places, and that was the temple. So God... You know, he judged sin and yet he spared these sons and then he took them, consecrated them in order to serve the house of the Lord. So these were people who were very aware that they should have been struck dead. These are people who were very aware of their sins and their ancestors' sins. These were people who knew that, man, I get to tend the house of the Lord when I should have been killed dead in the middle of the wilderness these are people that had such a strong sense of god's mercy like man i don't deserve to be doing this man i can't believe that this is what i get to do each and every day these are not people who are treating this as like oh well i guess i have to mop floors today or i have to polish some brass today or i have to dust some curtains today these are people as they were serving in this way they knew that they had been shown such mercy such grace that the fact that even found themselves in the house of god was a miracle the fact that they weren't dead in the middle of the desert was a miracle so from that place they're singing how lovely is your dwelling place like better is one day in your courts than a thousand days elsewhere. It's from that place of, man, I should be dead somewhere. I should have been cast out. I should have been excluded from your house. And yet you showed me such kindness, such mercy. How incredible is it that I get to find myself here in your house? So it's from that place 
the house of God, it was a miracle that they found themselves there. This was also a song that wasn't just written by, uh, by the Koharites, Korahites, Korahites, yes. It wasn't just written by them, but it was also sung by Israelites as they were making their way, their pilgrimage towards the temple. You guys know that Israel is like fairly big, right? You know, the first time that I went to Israel and I went without any maps and I went like really not planning anything. It's, I do not, I don't recommend that to anybody i went on my own and i was like how hard can it be you know like if they walk from city to city i guess i can too so i didn't know anything and but you know i don't know yeah i'm not a good planner um so when i got there then i you know i was like okay well i have these many days i guess i'm gonna go to um maybe i'm gonna go to capernaum or like you know mount carmel or like there's these destinations that i really wanted to go to and i was talking to somebody who lives and they're like you know, you need a car for that, right? I'm like, oh, oh, I thought it was kind of like all close. Because in the Bible, it's like, just like when one verse, they travel from city, like how hard can it be? But they're like, no, you need a car. And you need to get into a car for, for multiple hours in order to get to the city. I thought the whole time, like Galilee was right next to Jerusalem somehow. It's not. It's actually quite a long ride away. It's a whole entire, it's like saying like, oh, Seoul and Pusan, super close. You know, like, no, you actually need to get on a KTX to go down to Pusan. By the way, Galilee is kind of like the Pusan of um, yes, it's kind of like the Pusan of Israel. It's like a very different vibe, and it's a completely different area. And so in my mind, I thought like, oh, it's super easy. You probably always see the temple of God from kind of far away, and you just like pilgrimage there. But no, it's actually really, really, really far away. And I can't imagine how long it must have taken without a car in the middle of a desert. It's not like, oh, you're walking through fields and valleys. and No, it's like a desert, bone dry desert. And you need to go from pilgrimage. Wherever you were living, one, at least once a year, you'd make pilgrimage to the holy city of God. And so these people would sing the, this song, this song, as they were literally pilgrimaging to the house of God. As they were, you know, on day 10 of walking through completely dry desert, in their minds are, how lovely is your dwelling place? Better is one day in your courts. This is where I'm headed. This is a song that they would sing as they set their hope on their destination, as they set their hope on where they were going in order to carry them through that journey. So these people, they weren't eternally and indefinitely wandering in the wilderness. They weren't meandering, kind of like willy-nilly, like, oh, I wonder if we will, you know, run across the holy city today. No, they had a clear destination, and that was the house of God. There was, uh, that was the house of God. Um, my first time visiting uh, Israel, I remember there was this one part that they called the ramparts. So it's like, it's a weird kind of like winding alleyway along some walls of the city. And you're walking there and trying not to trip. And it feels kind of like claustrophobic. And it's like really random. And then there's a point when the, this, this road takes a turn. And then all of a sudden you see the city walls. And then you see right now where the mosque is. Like, you know, there's a golden kind of dome there right now. So you all of a sudden you're turning and you're like, where's this thing going and how much longer? And then you turn and all of a sudden like it hits you all at once. And I promise you, like the first time I, I experienced that, I, I got tears in my eyes. I was like, oh, is this what 
people experience. Obviously, I didn't walk for five days. It was like 20 minutes. But is this what people experience when they were journeying from wherever they were for all these different days? And then finally, in the distance, they get a glimpse of the temple of God. Like, oh, I finally reached here. I finally gotten to where I need to be. I'm wondering if that's the longing that would take them through those days of journey. I'm wondering if that first glimpse would make them just burst into tears or like, oh, like, oh, it's been a while. Like, oh man, it's been so long since I've been here. That sense of homecoming, that was their destination. Now, it's so interesting how this psalm also describes it as this is a place where sparrows can nest their young and, and swallows can nurse their young, right? such a random detail first of all literally that's what happens like there's all these city walls and and there's actually places where you see um like birds nesting in the walls and so it's literally a um, an observation that the psalmists are making but not only that you know there's a there's a theologian that made this observation the sparrow is an example of a bird of small significance like they're everywhere like Uh, There's one sparrow, there's another sparrow. It's not like, oh, wow, there's a sparrow. It's like, oh, they're everywhere. Yeah. So a sparrow is an example of a bird of small significance. And a swallow is a picture of restlessness. It's the kind of bird that gets skittish very quickly. And so if there isn't calm, if there isn't like a a feeling of safety, then they can't really nest there. And they definitely can't lay eggs and raise their young there. If they feel skittish and they feel nervous, they're not going to nest there. And so this, this theologian said that the sparrow is an example of a bird of small significance and the swallow is a picture of restlessness. Likewise, the insignificant can find their place in the house of God. Likewise, the restless can find rest near God's altar. Isn't that a beautiful picture? We're not talking about birds here anymore. We're talking about what it looks like to dwell in the house of God, where you feel like no matter how many times you're overlooked and how insignificant you are or how alone you feel, this is my home. I can settle here. And this is also a place for the anxious, for those who are easily rattled, for those who are skittish, who feel like, oh, I don't know, can I lay roots here? Can I put down my guard here? For people like that, the house of God is a place of safety and rest where you can You can lay down your defenses. You can bring down your walls. And this is my place of belonging. That's how it's pictured, the house of the Lord. So for people who are journeying towards, you know, this, uh, we're on this journey, on pilgrimage, their clear destination was key in making that journey possible. If they were going to, I don't know, like Walmart, like somewhere random, it's, it's like, no, no, I wouldn't go through five days walking in the wilderness for that. But they knew what they were headed towards. And it was the house of God, that sense of belonging, that sense of safety, finally arriving, homecoming. It's that feeling. With that destination in mind, they were able to take that journey. Now, the second thing that we find in this, um, in this uh, psalm is there's clear motivation. It's not just... Oh, I'm headed towards this building, although it was a building. It's not just the fact that I'm at the end of this journey, I'm going to reach this building that looks this way, and it is this high, and it costs this much. It's not that. Ultimately, it's about closeness with God. It's ultimately about the God that dwells in this building, not just the building itself. 
these uh, these people who were taking days and even sometimes risking their lives to get to the temple of God, they weren't just doing it so that they could go and touch a building or go and worship inside, you know, these four walls. They were there because the presence of God was there, because the closeness of God could be experienced there. This is the way that Spurgeon says it. There was no superstition in this love that they had for the temple of God. They loved the house of God because they loved the God of the house. The psalmist, his heart and his flesh cried out, not for the altar, not for the candlestick, but for his God. That's what they were looking towards. That was they were, what they were journeying towards. There's acceptance for the insignificant, like the sparrow, because of the presence of God. There is rest and peace for the restless, like the swallow, because of the presence of God. Can you imagine journeying towards just a building and not having the presence of God in it? It would not make the journey worthwhile at all. You know that this was the one geographical point in all of the earth where God's glory resided. This is the one place in all of history, in all of the world, one geographical point where God's glory resided. Now, if we knew, like, if that was, imagine, like, somewhere really random. Um, if that was near uh, the uh, Sangsu station, okay? If I knew that God's raw glory resided near Sangsu station, I would do everything I could to get there. We're not just talking about like any old station. We're not talking about any old building. We're talking about the raw glory of God. That's what this place signified for them. It was the closeness of God, reconciliation with God, communion and fellowship with a holy God. That's what it signified for them. So it, was, it wasn't just a clear destination. It was also a clear motivation. I'm not there to go tourist through a building. I'm there to meet with my God. I'm there to encounter my God, to speak to my God, to worship my God, to give to my God, to gather with His people. That's what the motivation was. And lastly, they had clear provision as well. And this is very important. That clear provision along the way in their journey to get to this temple, God will provide them strength. This Psalm 84, it says it this way, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage as they pass through, not sidestep, as they pass through the Valley of Baca. The Valley of Baca means Valley of Weeping. We're not talking about Disneyland walk in the park here. It's the valley of weeping. This is the entrance. This is the, the, the road to get there. As they pass through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs where there's dryness, where there's lifelessness. These people that are set on pilgrimage, these people that have a vision for what they're, where they're going and what they're going for, these people, as they journey through a valley of weeping, they actually change the landscape on their way there. Isn't this a beautiful, 
beautiful picture. This is the power that we are given by God, not just to walk through valleys. All of us will walk through valleys. You know, believer and unbeliever alike, we're all going to walk through valleys of weeping. That's just part of life. Here's a difference for the believer. You can make it a place of springs. That's the power that we have in God. That is the power of communing with God. We don't just have to tolerate this valley of weeping. We don't have to just make it through. We get to change this valley of weeping into a place of springs. And then it says they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Can you imagine every step that you take? towards the temple. Every step, everything that costs you so much. Man, I want to give up. Man, I don't know if this is worth it. Man, man, I I just didn't prepare well. Man, uh, I wish I, you know, all these hesitations that you feel on your journey, as you're walking, you feel more and more strength. I'm getting closer. I'm getting nearer. It's going to be worth it. God is there. And you begin to walk, not from weakness to greater weakness. You begin to walk from strength to strength. And as they're passing through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. This is how Spurgeon describes, uh, describes how God is presented in this psalm. You know, it says God is a sun and a shield. Those are two very random images. And they don't really link together, right? Have you ever thought about that? Sun and shield. Sun, shield. What is the connection? I don't know. You know, It makes no sense how God is described here. This is how Spurgeon says it. A sun, God is a sun for happy days and a shield for dangerous ones. A sun above and a shield around. A light to show the way and a shield to ward off its dangers or its perils. God is both the God who shines upon us on those happy days, and He is the God who is a shield who protects us in the midst of danger and trial that do come our way in the valley of weeping. That's a God who's sufficient. It's not just a God who's there for the good times. You know, like you have sometimes friends like that who are only there for the good times. When you have a rough time, they're nowhere to be found. That's not the kind of God that we have. It's a God for the good times and the difficult times. A God who will not leave you nor forsake you. He's going to be your son in days of happiness, and he's going to be your shield in days, in days of turmoil and danger. He is both a sun and a shield. There's clear provision for these pilgrims as they make their way to the temple. God is going to be the one who's going to be the strength and their sun and their shield. He's going to be there uh, to shine his light on them as they're making their way through. He is going to not just be waiting at the finish line, he's going to be carrying them through in the journey as well. And isn't this a really beautiful picture of what it looks like to walk this walk towards God, towards this finish line? Because our life, although we're not crossing deserts, although we're not walking to a particular building, although that's not what our journey looks like, it's a journey that takes us through the valley of weeping very often. It's a journey that requires us to draw strength, not from our own selves, but from the strength of of God. It's a journey that I'm hoping will not take us from weakness to weakness, but from strength to strength, where our faith and our hope is renewed year by year, day by day, where we don't have to just, you know, hope for the best and positive thinking and man, let's just push through this thing. No, there's an actual hope for you and I. 
It's not just like mind over matter, kind of like, hey, let's think positively, and this is karma thing, and like as long as you think positively, you're going to attract positive things in life. That's not what believers, we believe. We have an actual hope. The hope of God. The hope of glory. The hope of strength. The hope of victory. Not sidestepping danger, but through danger. That's the kind of hope that we have as believers. And this is the kind of walk that we walk in our everyday. I don't know what 2021 looked like for you, but I'm hoping that this year you find that you've drawn strength, not from yourself, but you've drawn strength from God. And you're going from strength to strength. You feel like you're one step closer to God. It doesn't mean that, man, your life looks like revival every day. Let me encourage you. If you feel a bit more discontent with spiritual complacency right now, it means you're going from strength to strength. If you are a little more prone to open up to somebody about needs that you have and ask for prayer, it means you're going from strength to strength. If you feel a little bit more challenged and a little bit more, man, like, uh, you know, maybe this year I want to grow a bit more. Maybe this year I want to read a bit more. Maybe this year I want to trust a bit more. Then it means that you're going from strength to strength. It doesn't mean that, oh, I feel like I'm going from strength to strength only when it's like revival in my life every single day. And I wake up thinking about God. I go to sleep thinking about God. If that's you, awesome. But for the rest of us, for the rest of us, it's a journey and it's a pilgrimage. And it's just strength to a little bit more strength and a little bit more strength and a little bit closer to God and a little bit more hungry for God. That's what our life looks like. This is what it means to walk from strength to strength. This is my prayer that as we are closing out this year, 2021, that we wouldn't just look and it's like, wow, that was wild. Like, wow, what a year. Wow. So many things happen, not just dismiss it that way, But for us to begin to ask these questions, God, where have you strengthened me this past year? What are some things that I never thought I could face last year, but I'm facing this year and you're carrying me through it? I'm not doing it perfectly and yet you're carrying me through it. What are some muscles that I'm definitely using this year, but I never used last year? I didn't use two years ago. What what are some things that I, I find that are hard, but I'm actually walking through? This year, these are the questions to ask as we wrap up this year. Not just was it hard? I mean, was it was it bad or was it good? Oh, was I happy or was I sad? More than that, the question to ask is how has God strengthened me this year? What are some things that God is leading me through that maybe I don't know, but right now I find myself stronger in this area than I did just one year ago? Wouldn't it be awesome for us to end the year with this kind of reflection? Like where, not just what are circumstances that have happened in my life, what has been done to me, or what have I had to deal with, what are the changing circumstances around me? This is not what I'm looking at right now, is how have I changed? How has God strengthened me on the inner man? How have I been challenged and stretched? Where's my capacity grown this year? This is what it looks like to walk from strength to strength. And my prayer is that as we're looking into the new year, into the year 2022, it wouldn't just be like, man, I hope this happens for me. Man, I hope this prayer is answered for me. Man, I hope that this person gets their act right. Man, I hope, you know, like this is wishing on things that are completely external without asking God, how are you wanting to grow me the next year? 
What are the different challenges? What is the, the purpose that you're doing this for? These are the questions that I want us to ask as we are praying into the new year. Let it not just be like you saunter into 2022 and like, well, what happens, happens. And I'll just take it as it comes. And I'm hoping for the best. And, you know, I'm just going to go about it that way. No, like actually pray, come before the Lord and ask him. God, how are you growing me? How are you challenging me? Because I bet you that reflecting back on the year 2021, those things that were hardest for you this past year are probably exactly the areas that are, you are growing in the most. Where you're being challenged and stretched the most. The areas that require the most courage. The areas that require the most persistence. The areas that require the most faith and hope in God. Those are probably the areas that you're growing in the most. The, probably the things that were hardest. Those valleys of weeping from this past year. So that is my exhortation to all of us as we're closing out this year. That we wouldn't just over-simplistically look over this past year and say, well, that was a good year, well, that was a bad year. But actually pray into how is God growing me and taking me from strength to strength. Now I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up. And I want to close, you know, with this one story. You know, as I was researching into Psalm 84, and there's a lot that can be read about Psalm 84. I encourage you, you know, if this is just scratching the surface, just go on Google and type in you know, Psalm 84. As I was researching this psalm, I came across a very interesting story from World War II. All right, so stick with me, okay? When I say World War II, people's eyes kind of glaze over. Yeah, so I came across this really interesting story that goes by the name of the Putin Raid. Has anybody heard of the Putin Raid? I had never. Okay, 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 so we're all uneducated. Great, okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it goes by the name of the Putin Raid. And this was during the, the era where Nazi Germany was rampaging across Europe, and no person in their right mind would openly oppose Nazi rule. At, in that time, there were actually a lot of underground efforts, underground efforts to resist Nazi regime. And so one of these efforts was titled the Dutch Resistance Movement. So in the Netherlands, there were these people that got together. In, in, the, you know, in the open, they wouldn't really talk about it, but underground, all these things were happening. Refugees were being taken in. People were being transported underground, you know, through underground ways. They were uh, people that would actually resist in very subvertive ways the Nazi rule. And so this was, a that was called the Dutch Resistance Movement. And so... The Dutch resistance movement, they were doing these different things to kind of trip up the different efforts that Germany was making to advance. And as a retaliation to some of these efforts, on October 2nd in 1944, so this was one year before the end of World War II, Nazi forces, they raided a small Dutch village called Putin. Putin, P-U-T-T-E-N, not P-U-T-I-E. <laughs> like current, yes. Um, so a small Dutch village called Putin. And in this village, as a retaliation for what they were doing, they shot people, they separated families, they burned houses down, and they took the entire male population from ages 18 to 50. 
They took the entire male population, 602 men in total. They were taken captive and sent off to a concentration camp in Germany. The entire male population. Of these 602, only 48 would return after the war ended. Many of them were permanently crippled, permanently damaged from torture and labor camps. And this is what actually happened. Every October 2nd, people in this small village, they hold a memorial in honor of those who lost their lives. They honor those fallen. They honor, you know, they remember what happened on October 2nd. But one of the things that is very interesting that they do every single year is that they sing Psalm 84. They sing Psalm 84. And the reason that they do this year after year, whether they're believers or not, they sing Psalm 84 because it was the song that these 602 men sang as they're being carted off to concentration camps. They knew that most of them would not make it out alive. They knew that they might never see their families ever again. They knew that they were saying goodbye to their loved ones. They knew that they were leaving behind a village that was in shambles, that was half burnt down and ransacked by Nazi soldiers. But as they were being carted off, they were singing, How lovely is your dorm place. Better is one day in your courts, God. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. My heart and my soul, my flesh cry out for the living God. Even though I walk through the valley of weeping, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even if I walk through the valley of Baca, I will make it a place of springs. The Lord my God is a sun and he's a shield. He will protect his anointed ones. Now what kind of hope were these men holding on to as they were driven into their death? What kind of comfort, what kind of strength did they find in that moment of utter darkness and despair? This is those moments in life when the lights go out, when just your world crumbles, when what you love the most is ripped away from you, when you're facing imminent death. It's those kind of moments. The only strength that can be found in those moments is found in God. This is the testimony of saints that have gone before us. A people who, when they face these valleys of weeping, in their heart and in their desire, in their vision, in their desire, there was something much greater than just, man, I want to make it out alive. Man, I want to make it through. Man, I hope that things blow over. There was something much more profound than that. Something much more glorious, something much more eternal. And that they were yearning for the presence of God. They were yearning for the closeness of God. And if that man going off to a concentration camp, if that man getting tortured, if that man going through that which they could have completely avoided, if that meant that, and they would go through it and they would do it singing praises to God. It's such an incredible picture of what it looks like to live life walking with the Lord. One of the greatest ambitions that I have in life is like, hey, I know life is not going to be easy. Like, I know that already. But can I sing through every season? When things suck, like when things are terrible, can I still sing through that season? 
Is there a song in my heart? Is there hope in my heart? Is there a destination in my mind that goes beyond the circumstances in the moment? Can that be the posture that I have as I walk this walk? Man, if God gives new songs for every day, if he puts a new song in your mouth, then there, that means that every season there's a song for us to sing. It can be about his breakthrough and his victory, or it can be about his sufficiency and his goodness and his faithfulness in moments of hardship. But there's always a song for us to sing. There's always a hope that cannot be taken away by any of the circumstances that we go through. doesn't matter what kind of year you had. doesn't matter what kind of last season you've had. There's still a song for you to sing. There's still victory beyond those circumstances. You still have a hope that goes beyond those things that were either done to you, things that you felt like were injustices in your life, unexpected tragedy in your life. There's things that go far beyond that. And I would love it if we together as a community could learn that song for every season. We could learn that posture of worship in every season. Where we don't wait for things to get easy for us to worship. We don't wait for things to go our way in order for us to worship. We can worship through the entire process, through every valley of weeping. And we make it a place of springs. Where we go as a community where we go from strength to strength. So I want us just to take a moment to pray. And I don't want us to rush out of this, but I want us to take a moment just to think back on this past year. Think back on maybe the current challenges that you're facing. The different unanswered prayer requests the different areas of brokenness. And I want us to simply pray this prayer. God, would you teach us to sing through this journey, sing through this pilgrimage where we know our destination, we know the motivation behind it, and we know that there's sustenance, there's provision for the journey. God, may that be our hope. Would that be the way that we choose to live our lives? Would that be what is said of us? I'm going to ask us just to keep our eyes closed. I'm going to read out Psalm 84 for us. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. 
Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look upon with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Father, would you give us this cry within our hearts? A desire to be close to you. A strength to go step after step after step, even through a valley of weeping. The hope that we have in you, where we don't just have to deal with circumstances, but we've been given the power and the hope to change those circumstances from dryness and weeping into a place of springs. God, maybe this past year was that kind of year. Maybe it was a valley of weeping for some of us. But we ask, God, looking back, could we make it a place of springs? Could we make it a place of refreshment? where we felt your closeness, where we knew your goodness, where we experienced your sustenance carrying us through some challenges. Could that be the place, God, where songs of thanksgiving are birthed? Could that be the place, oh God, when we know that even when we lose everything and we still have you, we have gained everything? Could those be the places, oh God, where we see the hope that goes beyond circumstance, the hope that we have in you? Holy Spirit, would you be a work in our lives? Would you illuminate our minds? Will we see things the way that you do? Would we evaluate things the way that you do? And through it all, God, may we not withhold our praise, may we not withhold our worship until things change around us. But God, would things change around us as we worship? as we praise you, as we exalt you in each and every one of our circumstances. We thank you, God, for what you are doing in our lives. 
We trust, God, that we are in good hands. That even when we don't see things clearly, even though we don't often have an explanation for why things are happening in our lives, we know that we're not alone. We know that you are with us. We know that we're drawn closer to you. And there is a final destination for us. There is a day when we will see you face to face. And when that day comes, God, may we face you having sung through every season. We love you, Father. We praise you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.